0: A word from today's sponsor. Embodia is an all-in-one platform for rehab professionals and our patients. I love using Embodia because it includes a complete practice management for charting, scheduling, billing, and online booking. Plus, Embodia has digital exercise prescription, program monitoring, secure two-way messaging, waitlist management, in-depth reporting, and so much more. As an added bonus, there's a library of continuing education courses and regular live webinars so that you can continue to learn while you build your practice. Visit EmbodiaApp.com and use the code MOMSTRENGTH to get $20 off your first month tier three membership. Hey y'all and welcome back to another episode of Mom's Strength. This is your host Soda B. Veach and I'm wearing red today in honor of period talk. We're going to talk about periods, period pain, and I'm going to share 14 different ways that you can manage your period symptoms, PMS, premenstrual symptoms, cramps, pain, discomfort, all of that not so fun stuff that Often comes with a period. Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. So let's start with what is normal and what can you expect with a period? Because this is something that so many people are not aware of. In fact, let's pull up the stats, okay? Let's just let's just see just how common period pain is. According to the World Health Organization, as many as 94% of young girls aged 10 to 20 get menstrual pain. And 8.8% of women aged 19 to 41 suffer from menstrual pain. Now, the other thing is one in 10 people have endometriosis, which can result in very, very painful periods. Other things like uterine fibroids, pelvic inflammatory disease can also impact your pain. So in this episode, we're chatting about how you can manage your pain. Now, if you do have endo or any other condition that causes chronic pelvic pain, note that you the same things I'm going to be talking about today also apply to you. However, I understand there's a lot of nuance, especially with certain pain conditions where some of the advice may have to be tailored for you. So I'm just, sh- again, sharing general information for you for any person with a period um, who was born um, assigned female at birth, who menstruates, and again, rem- remembering that not everyone has a regular menstrual cycle to begin with. Our menstrual cycles are a hallmark of health. Um, especially in female bodies, so if you have irregular periods, if you have non-existent periods, um, unless you're on medications and you intentionally are are stopping it, but if you're not getting a period regularly and regular by the way means every twenty eight days is you know by the book, but it could be twenty five days to thirty two days depending on um, what literature you read, there's a huge range of what we consider normal. However, if one month it's 30 days apart, other month it's 20 days apart, the other month you're bleeding for two weeks straight, those are all indications that something might be off. And that's an indication of go talk to your doctor and get your menstrual health um, taken care of. Many healthcare professionals underestimate the importance of menstrual health. And they also look down on you like, oh, you're just PMSing. It's just period pain. Just pop a pill and, you know, see ya. But this is a huge disservice. Let's remember that periods are normal, biological, physiological functions in people who are assigned female at birth. So if you have a body with a uterus and a vulva and a vagina, there are many, 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 many people who don't have, quote unquote, normal functioning reproductive system. And that can be so many reasons from PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which we discussed with Dr. Whitney Baxter in episode, oh, I don't remember the episode number, but I will, I promise I will tag it in my show notes. Um, And she's a naturopathic doctor. We talked all about PCOS, um, which is another very common reason for irregular periods and also painful periods, bloating, that kind of thing. Um, So it's an important conversation if you have that. But the other thing that I do want to say is if you are on the birth control pill to manage symptoms of endometriosis or or PMS, painful menstruation and cramps, remember that when you're on a, a hormonal pill, when you bleed, it's a withdrawal bleed. It's not an actual menstrual period, which because because you're not ovulating, because it blocks ovulation. So because you're not ovulating, you're not actually having a period. So sometimes people are shocked to find this out. Um, but this is an important conversation again, to explore with your your medical provider before you're hopping on any drug, any hormonals, anything to regulate pain. So let's kind of get into what is painful menstruation it's called dysmenorrhea okay dysmenorrhea causes intense excruciating cramping in the lower abdominal area sometimes lower back too and it's frequently accompanied by symptoms like sweating headache nausea sometimes vomiting diarrhea trembling and it can occur before right before or even during menstruation menstruation is where you're bleeding Primary dysmenorrhea is painful menstruation with no evidence of hormonal or anatomical um, pathology. So what that means is, you know, you don't have endometriosis, you don't have a specific diagnosis, and you have painful menstruation. This affects more than half of all women of reproductive age, regardless of age, nationality, or socioeconomic status. So this is one of those things that we do normalize in our society because of how common and normal it is. But I don't want, I you know, I'm here to empower you to say, screw that I have this body. When you go pee, does it hurt? No. When you poop, it shouldn't hurt. When you eat, it shouldn't hurt. When you have a period, it shouldn't hurt. It's a normal process in our bodies. So if it is hurting, there's something off. And that's what we want to kind of nail down and figure out, right? So let's talk about when the pain starts, typically when you have PMS symptoms, it can start 48 to 72 hours before you um, start bleeding, sometimes a little bit even before. Now, if you're listening to this and you have you have periods or you have painful periods, you're like, yeah, obvious, the problems are obvious. But for those of you who are maybe a healthcare practitioner and you don't have peri- uh, painful periods or you don't menstruate and you're like, I don't understand what's the big deal. You know, people have periods and painful periods all the time. Here's the thing, it impacts every aspect of your life, your social life, your sexual life, your um, emotions, your mental health, your concentration, your ability to perform at school or work. Um, It impacts every aspect of your life and it can be really debilitating for some people you know, having to take time off of school or work, the stigma associated around that. We are not a society, y'all, that caters to um, menstruating people. I wish we were. I know in some parts of the world, they're starting to normalize menstrual leave, like a day a month or whatever it is. But in our society, we're expected to, again, capitalism, productivity, it's go, 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 30 days of the month, right? There's no, hey, let's have this cyclical pause, Around the time when you're bleeding and when naturally your body's energy is lower, when your progesterone is lower, when maybe your sleep is impacted and your mood is lower, there's no cyclical pause. So we have to try to create that for ourselves when possible. And I understand that comes with a lot of privilege because depending on who you are, where you work and what your circumstances are, you might not just be able to say, hey, y'all, you know, it's period week. I'm just going to take the week off and stay at home, right? (laughs) You might not have to. The flexibility of doing that and realistically if you have young children or you have children who need you and other people who need you and you need to take care of life can't always just pause whenever you needed to and so that's why I want to share some actual tangible strategies for you okay let's talk about I talked about primary dysmenorrhea I just wanted to define that now secondary dysmenorrhea is caused by acquired lesions in the smaller pelvis, which include endometriosis, chronic pelvic inflammation, uterine fibroids, cervical stenosis, and anatomical and functional abnormalities of the reproductive organs, okay? So that's like, hey, you know what? There's painful periods as a result of, you know, this diagnosis. Whereas in primary dysmenorrhea, it's like they can't find any hormonal issues. They can't find any, you know, anatomical pelvic issues, but yet you still have this pain, right? Right. Um, and the reality is many people consider pain just a normal part of having periods. So, so many people never seek medical treatment and they just, um, for lack of better terms, suck it up, right? And just because so many other people suck it up, you might have, you know, even your aunties or your grandmothers might say, ah, just get over it. I had to go do X, Y, and Z when I had my period. So why are you complaining? Like that kind of attitude. Fortunately, that's never happened in my family, but I've, I've seen that happened in other households and it can be really hard. And you, you might feel shame like, wow, you know, this is my body and I can't even cope. And I want you to know that you are not alone. A lot of people suffer in silence. There's a lot of stigma associated with pelvic health conditions, reproductive health. Periods, we you know, most people can't even utter the word pads or tampons without blushing. Um, you know, people hide it and when they go to the grocery store to buy these products, they hide it behind other things because they're you know they feel embarrassed by it and there's nothing to be ashamed of. And the way that we ditch the stigma when we talk about periods and menstrual health is just by talking about it and using these terms without having to hide behind what we're actually talking about, right? It's, we have to change, we have to change it for our kids. And I have, um, you know, I have a boy and a girl assigned male and female at birth. And both of them know about periods, they are three and five. I don't, I think both all genders need to know about periods, because Every single person is going to be impacted by it, whether it's you personally, or you're living with somebody who, who has a period, or you know, you have friends with somebody who has a period, or you work with somebody who has a period. So this is important information for everyone. And I really feel like if we don't have the courage to have these brave spaces where we openly talk about it, how will we change things for the future and even for ourselves, right? So find at least one friend, if it's another, you know, female friend for you that you can talk to openly about these things, then great. And just start to normalize having discussions about your period and not in a negative way like, ugh, I got my period again. Listen, we are blessed because we have periods. Do you know how much periods are protective. You know, when we're menstruating, our estrogen is high, it's protective for our brain health. It's not just about reproduction. So many people mistake having periods for just reproductive health, and like making babies. But y'all we have what, like maybe one, two babies, (laughs) like some people have like five. It's not like we're having and how many periods do we have in our lifetime? You know, periods are not just for making babies. Of course, that's one evolutionarily Evolutionary reason for them, but they're also for our hormonal health, our mental health, our bone health. They're protective for our brain health in so many ways. So having a period is a blessing. And when we start to see it as that, when we have problems with our period or pain with their period, we have a bit more empathy for ourselves instead of that, like, oh, this again. You know, imagine your period was a friend and You know, every time that friend came over, you're like, oh, this friend is here again. Like so annoying. How would that friend feel? That friend would feel like crap, right? So your period is part of you. It's coming from your body. Don't treat a part of you that way. Treat yourself with kindness. When you have your period, especially if it is painful and you suffer from um, secondary dysmenorrhea from things like endometriosis or PCOS or any other condition, Give yourself so much compassion instead of the eye rolls and the frustrations. Start with empathy and compassion for yourself because you are going through a lot and your period is still a part of you. It's coming from your body. And I think when we lead with compassion, you actually will notice your pain will improve. Okay, so let's get right into some of the, I think I have a list of 14 ways, y'all. 14 different ways you can manage your pain. Actually, I have 15. I lied. I have 15. So let's get started. I'm going to start with some of the easiest ways you can manage pain, and then we're going to progress to um, things that are a little bit more time time intensive, but still, still pretty simple, right? Now, just... As I'm talking about period pain, just understand that there's many, a host of many different things that can happen when you're PMSing or when you have premenstrual syndrome, which could be cramps, breast tenderness, sleeplessness, anxiety, mental health, you know, mood is low, irritable. If you're having symptoms like that, just see it as, again, compassion, but also see it as a gentle nudge to start taking better care of yourself. And I say that with that awareness of we live in a society, again, that is very productivity driven and has very little compassion for people suffering um, on a whole, which is a problem. And when we take that humanity away from us and we expect ourselves to just function well or just ignore our, you know, medicate for everything. We're not actually, medication is very important and can be life-saving, can be help, help you function, but it is not a solution on its own for pain, right? So there's, we have to actually take an active role and participate in that pain management process. So that's what I'm going to share. If you do have feelings of anger, anxiety, mood swings, depression, fatigue, difficulty concentration, all of those things, bloating. Please also know that you can see a medical provider, a naturopathic doctor, um, dietitian. There's many providers that can assist you in nutrition and mental health providers as well, um, to support you. It doesn't mean you just have to suck it up. Like Even if you have a diagnosis like endometriosis, it does not mean you just have to say, oh, well, I have endo. There's nothing I can do. There's so much you can do. And I understand it takes a lot of time and money to invest into your health. But if you have the access and privilege and resources, please, please, please do. Um, Okay, let's get started. Step number one to managing your period pain, your dysmenorrhea. Drugs, right? medications, anti-inflammatories are the ones that Are usually recommended prostaglandin inhibitors prostaglandins are uterine prostaglandins are hormone-like substances that are responsible for more tension in your uterus and more bigger contractions in your uterus and this can cause inflammation and pain and worse cramping so when prostaglandin levels are higher in women with dysmenorrhea or period pain you know, this can be really bad the first couple days of menstruation. Now, progesterone is a hormone that regulates prostaglandin synthesis. So when prostaglandin levels rise right before you get your period, right before menstruation, what happens is progesterone levels fall, right? And progesterone is for soothing, calming hormone. It has an anti-inflammatory effect. So potentially, Having better progesterone levels can help with your pain, right? And there's many theories to why people get period pain, and I don't think there's any one reason that, like, you know, that we can say this is the reason because everybody, everybody's different. Everyone's circumstances is different, but definitely supporting your hormone production is important, and this includes nutrition. I'm not a nutrition expert saying that right off the bat. Neither, and I'm not a pharmaceutical expert either, but. Speak to your doctor about pharmaceutical options that can support you. Of course, there's the hormonal contraceptive or birth control pills, but just don't let that be the only thing that you're given. I want you to explore other methods as well, um, because that's just masking the problem and hiding the side effects. And, and sorry, not hiding, but and it comes with side effects, potential side effects. Instead of masking the problem of pain, let's figure out why the pain is there and see if we can support that, Right. Another thing I just talked about is nutrition. So in Ayurvedic medicine, which is an ancient Indian science, naturopathic medicine, um there's lots of natural ways to support your body. Um having enough fats in your diet, fats help with hormone production. So, you know, y- y'all, you know, your low fat everything, that's not helpful. If you're a menstruating person, you need that fat um to support the processes, the metabolic processes and also hormone production in your body. Uh, Fat is also satiating. So if you're eating a low-carb, low-fat diet and you're just focusing on veggies and protein, you know, veggies, of course, they have carbs and, you know, depending on the types of veggies you're eating. But you also do need enough nutrients to support you. Um, There's also things like seed cycling. So nuts and seeds are very high in things like magnesium, which is also very supportive for things like cramps, dark chocolate. That's why people naturally often crave dark chocolate or chocolate around their period or before their period is um, they say it might be the magnesium i'm vegetarian so i try to eat a lot of nuts seeds tofu all those avocados legumes um, a lot of b vitamins in those things as well good fat sources and so it can help support your progesterone levels and help keep ovulation on track and this can help your mood your energy levels and even your sense of calm and well-being, right? Um, Almonds, cashews, I'm just naming some nuts, walnuts, sunflower seeds. So trail mix is a great option for some people. Again, you can speak to a naturopathic doctor or dietitian for specifics, for advice for yourself, um, or if you want advice on seed cycling, which is basically where, you know, over the four weeks between periods, you have like different seeds that support you you know you might have week one pumpkin seeds and then sunflower seeds which are essentially used to support your hormonal health I don't know too much about that that's just something that I'm throwing out there because so often we just hear about pharmaceutical approaches and there's not enough awareness on the other approaches and everything that I'm talking about today has some evidence supporting it but we also need to keep in mind that we are not perfect um you know, studies, research studies. So we have to look at things with an element of what is your unique circumstance? What are your beliefs? And if you believe that the only thing will help you is pharmaceuticals, then there's a strong possibility that that is the only thing that's going to help you. If you strongly believe that nutritional changes will support your health, there's a very good chance, likelihood, that that is going to actually impact your health. So what your belief systems are, also play a role, which is why I'm giving you so many different options. Okay. So we've talked about pharmaceuticals. We've talked about nutrition. Next is heat. Simple, tried and tested heat pack. You can get a heating blanket, a heat pack that pops in the microwave or hot water bottle, whatever works for you. And you're just going to pop it on your lower abdomen, your lower back, you can leave it on for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, what's going to happen after a while is your body will acclimatize to the heat, it will kind of be desensitized to it. So you want to take it off and then put it back on maybe every hour or so, depending on depending on it, uh, you know, what feels good for you. There's also things like um, strap on heat packs that you can purchase and have for let's say if you have to be at work, and you're on your period and it comes like a big attack and you're in pain you're keeled over have this ready to go in your bag when you're expecting your period so that you're not caught off guard because when you stress about the pain that actually worsens the pain and I want you to feel like you have a toolkit you know be prepared you know when your next period is most likely going to come so be prepared say here are the things I'm going to do to support my health before then right so drugs, nutrition. Now the thing with nutrition too, I will I'll, I will share this is the week before my period is usually when I have the least motivation to eat healthy foods. I don't like to vilify healthy versus unhealthy, but nutrient rich foods, that might be a better term. So that's when I least crave nutrient rich foods. That's when I most crave things that are deep fried and maybe not as nutrient dense. So if I know that a well in advance, I'm going to actually prepare ahead. So when I have higher energy, maybe around ovulation, right? When I have, when I'm feeling good, my energy's high, my mood is good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to prep ahead. Maybe I'm going to bake a round of fiber-rich nut seeds, muffins, and pop it in the freezer so that I have ready snacks to go that week of my period. Maybe I'm just going to buy a bunch of ready-made things smoothies, whatever it is, and keep it ready to go. Because when you have that craving for that um, deep fried or fat, I'm not saying don't honor that craving. It's just that if if that's all you're supporting your body with that week of your period, it may exacerbate your bloating, cramps, pain, right? It may exacerbate inflammation. So plan ahead. We don't want to be caught off guard. And pain is often predictable, more predictable than we think. What are we putting in our toolkit? By heat pack, nutrition, protein bars, whatever extra, maybe you need extra carbs the week before your period. Maybe you need extra um, fats. So you have trail mix that week, right? If you're going to work or you're driving to work or something. Okay, the next thing that you can invest in is a TENS machine. TENS stands for transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. It sounds fancy, it kind of is. It's a very simple machine and it feels kind of like a mix between a tingle and a scratch. Also, I haven't said the word tingle out loud like ever. Tingle just sounds funny. Um, Okay, back on track. TENS machine. You can use that for pain relief. What it does is it works on your cutaneous nerves, which are the nerves that are sit at the, they innervate your skin right? They go to your skin. So it is. it creates this kind of distraction sensation. So your brain starts to focus on that kind of prickly, tingly sensation. And you turn the intensity of the TENS machine just high enough so that it's slightly uncomfortable. And your brain starts to actually produce endorphins and pain relief chemicals and send it to that area. Because it's like, hey, there's this like scratchy, irritating thing. And I'm going to just your body's smart. It's got natural dopamine, you know, it's got ways to manage pain. So it's going to send those chemicals to that area wherever you've slapped on that TENS machine, right? They just come with these um, electrodes. We call them electrodes. They're sticky pads that you stick onto your skin, plug it into the machine. The machine is usually battery operated and it's portable. So you can just like strap it onto your waistband and walk around with it. You can put it on your lower abdomen, on your lower back. Um, there are some contraindications to it. For example, if you have cancer or certain conditions, so you please read the package. And please also work with a pelvic physiotherapist like myself to formulate a game plan that actually works for you. TENS doesn't work for everyone, but I it's like 200 bucks or something like that. I think if you can afford one, try it. You can order one off wherever Amazon. And have it ready to go, right? I can also link link one in uh, the show notes. I don't make commission off that or anything. I just want to share something so that you have an idea what you're looking for. Um, so yeah, there's and there's um research supporting that, right? There's several randomized control trial trials with tens machine. Um, that actually show that it can be beneficial the next one is acupuncture so acupuncture is an ancient chinese medicine tool for so much not just pain relief it can improve blood flow injuries so many things and there is evidence that you can use acupuncture for pain relief for menstrual cramps as well there are certain um, points in our body that are specific for menstrual pain or for pain management uh, to support pelvic health so you can see a traditional Chinese medicine acupuncturist for that um, or anybody who practices acupuncture for that. I practice acupuncture as well. Um, okay, next, massage. Massage, you could go get a massage. You can even pre-book right now. You can look at when is my next period, maybe a few days before, three, four days before I'm expecting it. I'm going to book a massage and you can You also book it in for yourself give yourself a self massage but put it on your calendar like an appointment reserve that time for yourself doesn't have to be an hour if you're giving yourself a massage it can be a literally an eight minute massage you can use some sesame oil coconut oil whatever you've got that feels good for your body and warm it up in your hands rub it together And rub it all over your belly in a soothing, gentle way. You can even have a partner, if you have a partner or a family member, have them rub your belly, have them rub your back. Because massage is calming and soothing to your nervous system. So your nervous system automatically, especially if you're feeling kind of anxious or your mood is worse or you're feeling stressed that's also calming for that aspect it's the mental emotional stress but also physical stress that your body's going through so massage is so so um, underestimated so whether you have a massage therapist or you go see a pelvic health physical therapist like myself for massage or you do your own massage or have a partner massage you that is a great option but I want you to actually go to your calendar and block it off right now um, especially if you have a predictable, rather regular um, period. So then you are not caught off guard when it happens. And you're like, hey, I've already planned this self-care thing ahead of time. Next one, try a different pad, tampon, cup. Try a different um, option for your menstrual care. So if you currently use a tampon, maybe try a cup. You currently use a cup. Try a pad, Try period underwear, like like NYX, right? So, try something else. The reason I say that is some people find that their pain is p- worse with certain, like tampons, for example, or better with tampons. You know, it could be it could go either way. There, you, we have to understand that it's when we have our period, the the bleeding comes through our vagina comes outside and it can be irritating against your skin so for some for some people pads and period underwear don't work Um, and when you feel irritated or damp your pelvic floor muscles may also tense more and when you're holding tension guess what that's going to do for pain that's going to actually worsen your pain so this is something that I would suggest to just switch it up see if it impacts it if it doesn't then you don't have to worry but if it does now you know I personally find when I'm wearing my cup, I feel the best. I feel like I don't even have my period anymore. I feel supportive. Um, It's less messy. I also like to wear my period anywhere for overnights. I don't have to worry about leaks or pads or tampons or forgetting a tampon in. Now, this is for my neurodivergent people, especially if you have ADHD or if you are forgetful. I would not recommend cups or tampons because you don't want to leave it in and risk toxic shock syndrome, especially with tampons. With a cup, you can leave it in for longer, but even still, you don't want to leave it in for like a day, right? I think most cups will say empty within 12 hours, but it's ideal to empty it even a little bit more frequent than that, um, depending on how heavy your cycle is. But Try try something else, right? So there's many options these days. There's a website called Put a Cup in It, I believe, and it offers a quiz where you can enter like, your status. Have you given birth before vaginally or C-section? What's your age? Um, what kind of activities do you enjoy doing? And I will actually recommend some options. Diva Cup is a very common option for period uh, cups. Uh, Nixit, I believe, is another one. There's so many. There's so many now and it's amazing to see. I also want you to have these conversations with your daughters um, and sons so that they understand that there's many options for period care and it's not just pads it's not just tampons and it's also about not shaming someone for not using what you think they should be using so i've heard of girls and women being shamed for not using tampons like it's so gross to use a pad or something like that's that's that um shaming listen y'all it's such a personal decision do whatever you're comfortable with whatever feels good for you but just understand that you can try other options and um test it out. Okay, the next one we're going to talk about is meditation. Meditation is something that people get misunderstand. Um, Meditation people picture this, uh, you know, yogi or monk sitting in a cave with, you know, you have all sorts of preconceived notions. And yes, that is also that can be meditation. But meditation can be something as simple as For the first minute before you get out of bed, you're going to just breathe and be aware of your breath. You're just going to be present in your body. One minute. And how does meditation help with pain? There's actually so much research with mindfulness meditation, meditation, as well as yoga, which we're going to talk about next, and how it can support with reproductive health, menstrual health, pain, all of that. I highly encourage if you don't have a meditation practice to start incorporating one and little bits little tastes here and there is okay decrease the barrier to entry if you're expecting expecting a 20-minute meditation session every day or every week like that's unrealistic if you have no experience with meditation most people who don't have experience with meditation find it really hard to quiet their thoughts And that is the whole point of meditation is to provide an opportunity for you not to necessarily quiet your thoughts, but to be aware of your body and your, your mind and your just pause for a second. We are so go, go, go in our society, in our lives. And as mothers, especially, where's the time to chill. But the thing is, if you don't make the time to chill, it will never happen. And meditation isn't equal to chilling necessarily. Meditation can be active meditation. So um, walking meditation is a great example. Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, Vietnamese monk who passed away a few years ago, who's like a legend and incredible work. Uh, I loved his book. Um, I love all his books, but he talks about walking meditation a lot. And walking meditation is literally when you're going, to walk, going for a walk. Let's say you're dropping your kids off, you're walking them to school. You can do this with your kid. Say, let's let's look at our feet and we're just going to pay attention to our steps one step after the other. Obviously, pay, t- pay attention to traffic and roads and stuff too. But you're just drawing awareness to the present and you're being where your feet are. When you have pain, whether it's period pain or any type of pain, it's so easy to just let your brain wander and think, oh my God, this is so intense. Is this going to be my life? Is this going to impact my reproduction? What is this going to mean? Why is my body broken? Listen, from from a cramp period cramp to all of those uh thoughts spiraling we don't want that we want to interrupt that spiraling thoughts and we want to just stay present as much as we can okay and this is this is exactly why it's so important to meditate um next we talked a bit about this yoga yoga is not just asana which is all the poses and stretches and flexibility type moves um balance moves, all that stuff that's imp- that, that, that can help too with uh, menstrual cramps or, or pain, but so can uh, pranayama, you know breath work, yoga, yoga nidra. There's so many ways yoga can help. There's been research studies um, showing a decrease in pain intensity with with, uh, parasymp- with more parasympathetic nervous system activity following pranayama practice. So um, there's different types of pranayama or breath work um, alternate nostril breathing. There's so many. And essentially what you're going to notice is when you actually focus on breathing, let's say you again, take that minute and you're just going to pause. Maybe you close your eyes if you want to, or you just sit in a quiet room, like your closet, You, you shut the doors, you turn the lights off and you sit in your little dark cave, wherever it is. You just focus on your breath. You can even set a timer on your phone for two minutes and just focus on your breath. That's one example. And then there's yogic breathing too. And that actually, again, has research supporting it in showing that it can support your um, menstrual health. Next, we're going to talk about um, other poses like Surya Namaskar, which is sun salutation, Bhujangasana, Marjyayasana, Matsyasana, combined with the relaxation and meditation has been shown to have a significant reduction in dysmenorrhea intensity and distress compared to the control group which didn't have that and that was after 12 weeks so when we think about menstrual supporting menstrual health don't just think about period week think about it as as cycles like each cycle each cycle of 4 weeks or however long maybe you have uh, periods 5 weeks apart not 4 weeks apart each 5 weeks apart each cycle how are you supporting your menstrual health so Yoga for 12 weeks, that's only three cycles. It's not a long time. 12 weeks seems like a lot. Oh, I got to do this for 12 weeks before I see results. But when you think about it, that's only three cycles. You're not going to just try it out once and see if it works. It's, it takes time, right? Another study showed um, Chian and El, um an alias. So they showed eight weeks, right? Uh, the cohort was administered a set of specific asanas, um, for 12 weeks. right, And I'm actually going to write a detailed blog post on this too, which I'll tag in my show notes just to show you that there are so many options, y'all. And there's no one size fits all. Sometimes I can feel overwhelming like, oh, what do I start with? That's why I started this episode with the simplest, most passive things. And they're going to get a little bit more time intensive as we go through these suggestions. right? Next suggestion is again, ties in very well with what I'm, what I've already mentioned is to plan ahead, right? So we know that there's four phases of that period. Uh, Follicular phase, ovulation, we have your luteal phase, and then we have menstruation, right? So we have the follicles being made, released, you know, um, ovulation, eggs released, and then your uterine lining starts to thicken in preparation for a potential um, embryo baby And when that doesn't happen, your uterine lining sheds. And that's when you have a menstrual bleed. So during each phase of your cycle, and there's period tracking apps and so many other tools right now, I'm old school and I just, I don't track using an app personally. And um, I just like to notice how I feel. I mark in my calendar with a big P in red every time I get a period so that I can look back and I'm saying, oh yeah, it's regular every 28 days, 20, every 30 days. And then I'm like, wait, 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 what happened here? Why was this 37 days, right? And most likely a huge contributor is I was either stressed, I was doing too much, I was overly packing my schedule. And that is the reason that my ovulation was delayed. Because if your ovulation, is you're, think about it this way, your body's not gonna want you to ovulate and potentially make a baby when you're under extreme stress. So your body's going to say, wait, 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 let's hold this follicle. Let's hold this egg back. Let's just hold this. And that's going to delay ovulation, right? So stress management becomes so important. Planning ahead, looking at your schedule for the next month and say, you know what? I have way too much planned during period week. I'm planning night out with the girl, with the girls. I'm planning a date night. No, 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 no. It's massage, it's self-care, I'm putting on, uh, I'm drawing a bubble bath, I'm relaxing, Uh, maybe I'm taking myself out for a nice dinner or ordering in, maybe I'm cooking less that week, that's how you plan ahead, right? So a little homework when you're listening to this is to look at your calendar for the next four weeks, five weeks, however, um, whatever the distance between your period is. If you have very irregular periods, if you have PCOS, for example, or endometriosis, I still want you to look at like, let's say the next four to five weeks, it's too difficult to look at the next eight weeks. Shorter term is a little easier to plan ahead, like plan ahead for the next month. And plan in some of that self care stuff during your luteal phase before your period before your menstrual bleed. During ovulation, maybe plan a little bit more high energy things, maybe that dance class, lots of, you know, high energy exercise, that kind of stuff. Um, And expect that it's normal to slow down as your progesterone declines, um, as your estrogen dips. It's actually quite normal for your energy to fluctuate through the month. Because we see things in our society from a very male perspective, we we fail to recognize that women are not small men. I think it was Stacey, Dr. Stacy Sims who coined that term. We are not the same as men. Our bodies don't operate the same. So let's stop Looking at things the same way as if we should be the same every day, as if our productivity should be the same. I would argue that our productivity, if we, if if, let's talk about productivity for a second, because our society values that so much. I would argue that women or menstruating folks have superhuman productivity during ovulation or around then, potentially, and less around period week. And that evens out compared to men. You know what I mean? Like, I think men have more of a stable and ours fluctuates more through the month. doesn't mean we're weaker or less than. It's just we are different and we need to start looking at us as us instead of comparing ourselves to men's standards all the time. It makes no sense, right? So the other thing that I do want to say is that uh, nature, being out in nature is very nourishing and maybe you plan a gentle hike or you get moving. Uh, Many people in some parts of the world, certain cultures will say, don't exercise during your period. And they'll say, don't go out, just stay home. And that's your personal culture. You know, I'm not going to comment on that. But I will say that there is um, research that shows that gentle exercise and movement can help. Uh, And getting out in nature is always soothing. Get away from social media, all the things that uh, worsen your anxiety especially just before your period, um, reduce caffeine, that can, be support- that can help too. I didn't mention that earlier. I wanted to mention that with the nutrition um, part of the conversation. But caffeine is a known um, substance that can increase anxiety, especially in people who already have anxiety. So that might be something to taper down um, before you menstruate. Um, Or just in general, maybe substitute some of the coffee or tea you're drinking with non-caffeinated beverages so you have a bit more balance. Um, Obviously, drinking enough water is key because when you're dehydrated, things, your muscles, including your uterus, everything will feel more tense. And when you have more tension, you can have more pain. So, um, yeah, going back to movement, that was, you know, one of my biggest points is... Um, There's so much research supporting that movement can help. Um, Stretching exercises, pelvic floor muscle exercises, even jogging, um, relaxation stretches, isometric exercises. So what that means is you're not actually moving, but you're doing like, you know, squeeze, contract of the muscles, ab exercises, glute exercises, um, even moderate exercises, exercise can impact the experience of menstrual pain right? There's research showing 12 weeks of aerobic exercise or eight weeks of stretching and isometric strength exercises can help. So my base fitness membership, if you participate in that for 8 to 12 weeks alone, you may start to see that change in your period and how your period pain is because we go over mobility, we go over stretches, we go over pelvic floor and core strengthening and full body strengthening. When your core strength is better in general, you have a more stable environment for your pelvis and your pelvic floor. Your internal organs also like that. They like movement. They like that type of nourishment and support for their for for their organs. So when you don't exercise, if you sit a lot, if you just are sedentary, that might be an environment in your body that is more conducive for pain, right? Um, The next point I wanted to mention is orgasms. So we forget that orgasms are so powerful um, for pain relief. Your, during an orgasm, your uterus actually contracts and then relaxes. So there's this nice cyclical rhythmic contract relax. This can help reduce the impact of menstrual contractions and pain and the cramping. Um, just like exercise, having an orgasm can release endorphins and other hormones that relieve pain, right? And it helps you feel good. And whether it's solo um, or partnered or you know, you do you whatever feels good for your body. If you feel like it's too messy or something, get in the bath um, and start to just get comfortable with your body just because you're bleeding doesn't mean you're dirty or you're gross. Um, it is just a normal biological function of your body. Um, you know, go with you go within your comfort level. And I know there's different cultural stigmas or rules or things. So I don't want to again. Comment too much on that because I know that that's a very personal thing, but I do want to share that as an option for pain relief. And um, if it's not an actual orgasm, even just snuggling with your partner and feeling like you're being taken care of—that's when you you tell. I tell my kids, I'm like, I'm in my period this week, so no, I can't give you a bath. I'm I'm just I need to just take it easy. And of course, I have the privilege of doing that. I have a very supportive partner, but just to put it out there supporting my menstrual health is not just a me job it's a family's job right so just like if you know your kid is sick one week you're not going to just say oh deal with it yourself if your partner's sick you're not going to be like oh just deal with it yourself no you're going to pick up the slack a little bit right in the same way when you're feeling either sick or in pain or you're not feeling a hundred percent let your partner, let your family members, you know, call your parents and say, can you drop off dinner? Can you watch the kids this evening? I just need a night off because asking for help can make things feel so much easier for yourself and you deserve that. Um, the other thing, the last thing I will say is stress. So women or menstruating folks who report, who reported feeling stressed two weeks before the beginning of menstruation were two to four times more likely to report moderate to severe symptoms than people who didn't feel stressed so if you had a stressful month you're two to four times more likely to report moderate to severe menstrual symptoms whether it's pain cramps bloating all of that stuff so and women who feel stressed early in the cycle we talked about that they're more likely than those who are less stressed um, to report more pronounced symptoms before and during menstruation right this is according to the national institutes of health um, and other institutions so This association raises the possibility that feeling stressed in the weeks before menstruation could worsen the symptoms typically associated with PMS. And you have to take things off your to-do list, not just the week before your period. This isn't oh oh, last minute, oh, period's coming. I got to attack, you know, attack myself with pain meds, heat, tents, all the things now. No, it's, remember, you're looking at your cycle as a whole month. How do you support yourself the whole time? Not just the one week before your period, because at that point, it's too late. Because you've already ovulated two weeks ago, your body's already started to prepare that, you know, follicle, your uterine lining is already thickening, your body's already undergoing that process for that specific egg. And so you're not going to last minute come in and change so much. You're going to start well before. So I know personally, when I've had really stressful months, my cramps are worse. I usually knock on wood, don't get cramps or a lot of pain. And I used to, growing up, I thought that was normal. And then what happened is I started to do things for self-care. I actually started to be aware of self-care and not overworking. I was super type A, perfectionist. I was, you know, go, go, go. And I actually started to recognize, oh, I need breaks. Oh, I need to do things for joy and pleasure. Oh, rest is important. And guess what started to happen is my period naturally got less painful. And now I rarely get pain. And when I do, it's because I've either eaten things that my body doesn't love. For example, dairy is very inflammatory for my body, I'm lactose intolerant as well. So that doesn't help. Um, Or if I have, you know, not exercised at all that month, or if I have been really stressed, and that cluster of things, then the next period is either late, or I'm, you know, cramping and have lots more pain. And that's just my personal story. But this is so typical of, of people who menstruate, right? And this is not an isolated thing. And I've, I think the fact that up to 90% of people have pain, um, you know, young girls, just goes to show you that there's a chronic stress problem in our society. And we do, we are not supporting our girls and women and menstruating people. We can do better. And I know that us talking about it doesn't just change policies and it doesn't, um change workplace decisions and hiring, you know, how your boss treats you when you're on your period, all of the all that stuff. It doesn't necessarily impact it, but at least it helps you understand your body better and advocate for yourself a bit better, at least within your family, if not out if you don't feel ready to advocate outside your family. Um, it can be hard to ask for sick days, especially if you feel you need it. Um, but it's your health, right? Period health is still health. It's still part of your wellness. And if you are not able to concentrate on your job or anything because you're in so much pain, please do what you can to build up your toolkit to support your pain. Another last thing um, that helps is pelvic floor physical therapy Therapy has been shown to improve to support uh, menstrual pain and cramps so come work with me if you live in toronto or gta i'll share my booking link i'm at 200 finch avenue west unit 109 inside of north don river valley midwifery um and i also do virtual sessions there's so much we can go over to support your um, menstrual health your pelvic floor and your body through the cycle not just week before and I would love, love, love to support you. Now, if you found this helpful, this episode helpful, please go share this widely. Y'all, most people don't even know any of these strategies. They just get told meds, 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 or they say they get told don't stress, but they're not given tangible ways to actually how to do that or you know, homework tasks like I've given you to look at your calendar, plan ahead. And I really do think that if people start to incorporate this, it's gonna be so helpful for them. So please go ahead and share this with on Instagram. Send it privately to your friends if you don't feel comfortable sharing it to your stories. We hope that this gives you back a little bit more control over your body. Um, I'll do an entire separate episode on endometriosis soon because I think that's that deserves a separate con- conversation. Um, and all of the links that I have for you, I will share in my show notes as well. Tag me and let me know what you thought of this episode. And if you find Mom Strength podcast to be helpful, please go subscribe and write a review. Of your recommendations and your five star reviews, it really does make a difference. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.